This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Hey there, welcome back to the Winning Plays Podcast with Brian, Rob, and Michael Pina. I'm Rich Levine. Today's show, we're going to take a look back at Danny Ainge's best and worst trades in the close to 20 years he's been on the job as a head man with the Boston Celtics. Uh, but first, let's just say we hope you all are staying safe and sane in these crazy times. As always, please subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter. That's at WinningPlaysPod. Shout out to CLNS Media. Shout out to BetOnline.ag. Um, guys, Mike Pina, how is it in New York these days? Is it, it's sort of, is it coming back to life yet or is it still a little, a little slow? LA slowly, not gonna say getting back to normal, but a little too normal for for my liking, I think. Yeah, I it's it's a beautiful day here, so I went on a walk earlier today, and it was pretty fine. I mean, restaurants aren't open yet, but you'll see like the Starbucks on our block that was closed for this entire time opened a few days ago. Not like to go in and order, but they have just like a table at the door, and you can walk up and. I think you have to place an online order through the app or something, and then they just have your coffee there waiting for you. So stuff like that is happening, and it's kind of just baby steps, but it's still, you know, it's highly frowned upon, if not uh, punishable by law, to be in public without a mask still, which is a good thing, and social distancing is still obviously an effect um but when you see someone without a mask do you do you speak do you, you say fight, something no, you, you got to fight them on the spot but do it's, you actually I, I find myself yelling sometimes i i have never yelled no <laughs> but, Not angrily, but honestly just, just loudly no, but, enough for them to hear no but also like in i haven't really even seen it to be honest with you like everyone's wearing a mask it's and if they're not wearing a mask it's clear that they have other issues going on and uh <laughs> they don't need me yelling at them um but yeah so it's uh i would say it's 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 baby steps in but they're pro- like progressive baby steps is how i would describe it how's well fan bureau uh it's the same um i would say in terms of what mike described it's, it's clearly being in i'm in a more residential area so you do have um, people just out a ton more. Kids are out now. Most people with masks, um, but uh, people are definitely, you know, enjoying the the weather more, and I think just eager to get back to some sense of normalcy and where 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 it's safe. And so, right. hopefully, that is uh, coming in the in the weeks to come. But it's still everyone kind of you know fall on the roses as much as they can which is nice well i'm eager to hear which of danny Ange's trades you think have been bad because we you know you you this, this was your <laughs> idea the uh the 10 five best and, and five worst maybe we're just gonna do three worst danny Ainge trades and i and i went through the list it's 2003 is when danny took over the job is that correct yes um i had a lot of trouble finding trades that i genuinely thought were bad mm-hmm. um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are a couple, right? We'll, we'll, we'll get to them, but like, well, how many did you have, Rich? How many? How many so major lists? I wanted. I, so yeah, we wanted top five, but you, how many did you think? How many bad trades has Danny Mage? I I had like two and a half. Two and I'm, a half. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about the third. It seems like because everyone liked it when it happened, but um, and and one and and the second one it was like one of those is a draft night trade, where, you know, with the rights. So it was more just an op, an opportunity the Celtics had to to draft sure. somebody. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, for for me, the the Kendrick Perkins trade is really the only one that's that sticks out as a real stinker. 
And I, and I know that. Jeez Louise. Yeah, are, are you just... jumping in already? No, right. I mean, that, that, that's, How long are we going to talk any... before we start start getting down to the nitty gritty? <laughs> yeah, so we'll start there because that's uh, is that was that on your list, Mike? Is that a universal that is, bad trade? That, that is on my list. That's one of those trades where you, I don't know about you guys, I remember where I was when that happened. I, this is my second plug of Starbucks, but I was sitting on a Starbucks writing on my, my blog. Uh, mm-hmm. My shaky ankles blog. This was before you day. joined Celtics Hub. This is before that. Yeah, this is a long. This is very early. This is very early in Celtics Hub. February twenty fourth, two thousand eleven. Um, feels like it was forty five years ago, but apparently it was only nine. Um, but uh, yeah, no. This I remember exactly where I was. I was like an emotional wreck, and for a while, probably too long, I would get upset every time people made fun of Doc Rivers when he said that the Celtics never lost a playoff series when all five <laughs> of those guys were on the court. Uh, and uh, it is really funny to look back on that now. But it, it's just in hindsight now with everything that we know about just the emotional bond that those guys had together, like on the court, it made sense strategically to make a move like that. But it was so just like wrecking to Rondo, to Pierce, to Garnett, to it's just it's it's really difficult. There was obviously a lot of tears and everything like that. So it's just like it's it's one of those trades where you wonder what would have happened if they never made it. Yeah, yeah it's it's funny you say you know where you were, Mike. I have the same uh, sense. I was I think it was like doing like a trade deadline chat when it happened, and I vividly remember the first thing I saw that came out. I think it was Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe treated out that Nate Robinson was treated. And that was it. That was like, (laughs) so it was like, huh. And then, because he wasn't a big part of that team at the time. He was kind of an afterthought, but that was so, it quickly went from like, oh, that's, I wonder what they're going to do with that to being like, oh my goodness. They just pulled this, pulled the trigger on such a huge move, Rich. And it was a, a situation where, I mean, Danny Ainge to this day, I think will, he still defends this deal. And I, I get why he defends it from the standpoint that, you know, Perk was hurt. Um, Perk was going to have to get paid. He was going to have to get paid. They weren't going to be able to keep him. Um, but it was a situation where Jeff Green was also going to have to get paid after that year. And and I guess Chris Didge, I mean, uh, that's a whole... He was only there... I think he left after that season was for this, good from the was NBA. This- was this before or after he had that chair throwing brawl overseas? It was Ooh. after. It was after, yeah. Because I, I remember uh, citing that. I love as that. There was like a nice, a nice tweet. <laughs> to that that. That awesome. Did you, you guys know where I was when that trade happened? Where, where? Were you on the trip? I was on the road with the Celtics. That's right. Wow. Uh, and I believe we were in San Francisco because they were playing the Warriors. Uh, yeah, so I was in the locker room after that game. Right Wait, wasn't after... it in Denver? It was in Denver. That, that was the last game before they did the trade. Was the the Warriors? Yeah. They so them, and then they traded them, and then the, they played the Nuggets that night. They traded them. Right. Yeah. Right, but the trade. You know, I think they were already saying their goodbyes that night. I don't know if it was. You know, if they, they the league had announced it or if any anyone had announced it, but the trade had pretty much gone through. Yeah. So just being uh, in the locker room after that loss. I think they lost. Anyway, it was the first game after the trade, but Paul Pierce just just coming out and calling out Danny Ainge. I mean, I, for, I forget what he said exactly, but uh, it was one of the few times in that entire. Uh, and, and, and let's be honest, like there were a lot of rumors that went around during that time, right? Everyone was close to getting traded at some Ray point. Ray Allen for OJ Mayo. Yeah, and you know that for most of the, most of the time, the players just kind of did their thing. They were pros, but that was the first time I think they really, you know, spoke up. It was just like I hope they know what they're doing. 
Um, and I still think that, you know, there was a lot riding on, on Shaquille O'Neal and making that trade. And I think that anyone that was around that team that year, you know, he certainly wasn't in any position to be playing, never mind an entire season, but like, you know, getting himself in shape to be a, the, the playoff contributor that they needed. Do you guys um, remember where you were when Shaquille O'Neal was shot in the ass and <laughs> fell over uh, trying to jog up the court? Was that, any, was that in a Celtics, a Celtics game? That was his last moment of his career. Oh, remember? that was a playoff. He tried to come back and play that one game. Did he? Um, I recall. Uh, yeah, I haven't. Wait, I'm not, like, it, like, looking this up right now, but I recall. It happened twice. Like, stumbling like, and it being like, oh, that's it. That's, right. We're all through here. Right. I think he played like five minutes in like game three of the Heat series and then was done. And then like he said, like came up like he was shot again after hurting <laughs> that calf for like the third time. Um, yeah. It Shaq's return. He had a couple attempted returns from that injury at the end of the year and none of them lasted more than, you know, a few minutes. Um, and, and Chris Didge. Was Jermaine O'Neal still on this team at this point, or did they sign him after that? I think he was also on that team. Yeah, Doc he was Rivers, on that favorite player. Right. So, yeah, they, I mean, he had the all the big men lined up to potentially fill that void, and none of them um, none of them were up to the task on that team, as as was uh, Jeff Green. So, what in hindsight, looking at this deal, would it have worked if Jeff Green, you know, wasn't Jeff Green? In the sense of like, there is there's no like someone who could like, you know, give you something reliably as a fifth or sixth or seventh man in the playoffs because Jeff Green was just not that guy at that point or throughout most of his career to be honest. No, he he uh, scored in double figures. Uh, guess how many times in that playoff run? Zero times. Twice. Once. Once. Yeah. Um. What I always think about when I think about that is what a sentence is <laughs> how it's like Danny the first line a- of a novel. Danny Ainge uh, uh, talked about. I forget maybe if Danny Ainge said it or I just read. It. I remember reading it that he wanted James Harden in that trade. Yeah, and Sam Presti refused to to give up James Harden. Obviously, uh, saw a lot of talent there. Didn't see what he would become, and I don't think Danny Ainge saw that either. But I, I, I've always felt like you, you kind of settled with Jeff Green. And if you wanted Harden and you couldn't get him, maybe you should have shot Perkins around somewhere else, or I don't know. Uh, or you should have just rolled the dice and played the season out as it was. Obviously, the big concern there was matching up with Dwayne Wade and LeBron James in the Miami Heat uh, in the postseason, and they felt like they needed an athletic wing. So, um, from that perspective, you're, you you are showing foresight, particularly with just how the league was, where the league was going, uh, and what what was valuable, and trading a, a a low post center for like a trade like that would just never happen today, in terms of what is valuable and what is not. But it, you're right, it, it, I get what your what your question is, and it's like really spot on and interesting. Like theoretically, it makes sense to do a, a deal like this, but because it was Jeff Green. It's just a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. And I think that's where the defense comes in for Danny to this day is like, I had the right idea here. And he was, he's always been a Jeff Green guy, like through thick and thin before obviously they, they moved on from him um, in 2015. But um, yeah, it's the, if they got a, 
a useful wing in that situation, then yeah, that might have been enough. But it was it was not. Uh, two things we should mention. First of all, that the, that the Thunder knew that uh, Jeff Green had a hard problem when they when they traded him to the Celtics, which is something that shouldn't go unmentioned. Yeah. Um, and so maybe that who knows how it plays out differently if he doesn't miss that next season, right? Um, and then second, the the, the Celtics got a, a first round pick as well in that trade. You know who they took? Fab Mello. Yeah. Insult to injury. Mm. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah. Um, and I believe the Celtics got an extra second round pick because of Jeff Green's heart situation that was again not disclosed till after uh, the trade became official. And an undisclosed um, financial uh, and, oh, transaction. And I, there we go. So, but I do wonder. Like, do you think does if if the Celtics find out about that heart situation before the deal is done? or during the initial physical, does that do they pull the plug on the deal? I don't know, because it reminds me of what happened with Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie Irving. And, like, once you trade a guy and he knows he's dealt, it's just emotionally and psychologically really difficult to come back from. Ray Allen talked about getting traded for O.J. Mayo, I believe, at that same deadline. And he got a call when he was in his hotel room, and it was a... Uh, ostensibly a done deal and he thought that he was gone he was going to Memphis and that obviously never sat well with him and he brought it up frequently after he chose to sign with the Miami Heat as a free agent and took less money and um, he would always cite how he should be able to pick where he wants to go if the Boston Celtics aren't going to be loyal to him why should he show loyalty to them yeah I think that's fair and one other thing, and we talk about the changing you know, nature of the NBA and like maybe the Celtics being a little ahead of the curve, but you know, Perk started 67 playoff games for a really good Thunder team over those next four years. So, but you know, that, that, ironically, they would have won the title <clears throat> in 2012 if he was not <laughs> in the starting lineup. Really? Yeah, I guess maybe. I take it back. But yeah, I mean, he was love. He, he broke down. I mean, it was. Again, the right idea. The his his body was breaking down pretty quickly into that deal, and but at the same time, um, at that at that juncture, it just wasn't the right. Uh, you have to get the right return in that deal, and the, the Celtics did not. I know. I know. Real quick, we've been we're spending a lot of time on this trade, but I, to end it, do you guys did you guys see the the Instagram post that Kendrick Perkins posted about his uh, top five teams of all time? I saw his top five players of all time on Twitter. <laughs> I, I didn't see the the best teams. Top five teams was uh, the top five players was very interesting. The top five teams was uh, people were like texting it to me. It was it was really good. Uh, He's just trolling though, isn't he? I hope so. Um, he just, I, he's just, he has takes. Perk has takes. Perk right. has a lot I think of he takes. He knows what he's doing. He had uh, just two of the teams that I recall. First of all, I believe he had the 2000 or 2001 Lakers as the greatest team ever. Um, and then he had the 04 Pistons as one of the greatest teams, <laughs> ever, top five teams ever. Uh, the 08 Celtics. And he did not have any of the Golden State Warriors teams on his list. So just uh, just a, a legendary top five that I wanted to just point out before we moved on. Was it all time teams or is it like last twenty years? No, it, it was it was the best teams ever. Okay, 
best teams ever yet there's the night the 60 yeah the 96 97 bulls and then every team is after 2000 <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I, i'm looking at it now and then the, the 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 caption reads again my list i'm having a good sunday don't make me lose my christianity today he's begging people <laughs> i know he knows what he's doing classic exactly. troll yeah and people are 632 comments of people actually taking time to tell perk that he's wrong yeah we just took 90 seconds on this podcast but we love yeah. perk he's so doing his job it's all good yeah Brendan um, Hayward doesn't like it. <laughs> Another guy. All right, so so the the other bad trades, the other bad Danny Ainge trades. B Rob, you mentioned uh, when we were talking before we came on that earlier in, in Danny's tenure is where a lot of the the stinkers were. Yes. Um, who do you got? What do you got in your list here? Well, I kind of want to hear. I want to hear. Do you want to finish your list and then I'll make point out where? Yeah, so I think I, I think B Rob should just. Or should I just let go? Let them fly, because I did not see too many. Yeah, yeah. how many I'm did you have? Here. How many did you have, Mike? I had two, and I'm probably missing one. Uh, I was trying to comb through all. Of, he's made a lot of transactions over the years. He has. Um, I was trying to. I probably missed one or two, uh, and the the one that I had besides the Jeff Green trade uh, is just like a near and dear to my heart. And I know I'm showing my hand right now, but um, that's what I just. I, I'm really interested to see what you have, B Rob. Wait, when they traded away, when he traded Rondo? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get to it. <laughs> uh, Rich, what's yours? Oh, the only other one I had, I said, I mean, the rights to Tybal for for Edwards oh. and, and Ty Jerome. Yes. I, just, I think that, you know, yes. I, you can Already decide. given up on it. Wow. I, what's that? You're already giving up on him. That was in my honorable mentions. That didn't even make my, my top five. But on, that's... Who Car- on Carson Edwards I'm giving up on, you saying? <laughs> <laughs> Long live Carson Edwards, yeah. Um, I didn't even think of that one, to be honest. That's actually a pretty good one, Rich. Yeah, I think I just think Tybal would be such an amazing fit on this team. Um, so it's, it was Tybalt for the pick to take Carson Edwards and the pick and the Suns pick, which is 24, which they dealt with Baines. For, for Ty Jerome, it's pretty good. For, yeah, so Ty Jerome. Uh, Ty Jerome was hurt all year. He didn't really um, do anything, yeah. He didn't do anything. I mean, we'll see. But yeah, I was at a... That. A quick Ty Jerome story. I was at a shoot around, uh, Suns shoot around, and Devin Booker was making fun of him to his face pretty hard. It was like last dance uh, huh. um, treatment. So I hope Ty Jerome's doing okay. Um, okay. I like that. I like that that major list, Rich. Um, okay. So I'll go through the timeline here. Mm-hmm. And okay, number one. I'm just, I'm going to come out, Danny Ainge on the job, took it in, I believe, spring 2003. Uh, he traded, what was his first big move? Trading away Antoine Walker for a Ray LaFrance. Now, from 20 years away, like, what do you guys think of that deal? Like, now. I think Danny came in and he saw a team that did not have a chance to win the title. Mm-hmm. He saw certain aspects of it that uh, he knew before he could start building up. He needed to break it down. I think Antoine was was that was the number one thing that had to move. That was the guy. He came in. He's like, I gotta get rid of Antoine Walker. We gotta make this Paul Pierce's team. We gotta do all that. And like, did he get maybe the best return on Antoine? No, but I think he he did what he had to do. He had he had to move the Celtics along in the process, and I think that's what he did. That's why when I see that deal, it doesn't like offend me so much. Because I knew he like, there was a plan behind it. 
it wasn't just like ah, I actually think we're going to be a better team today with LaFrenz than than Antoine. I mean, you're a hundred percent right on his rationale, Rich. He had a plan. He wanted to. He saw a team that was not capable of getting past the Nets in the East. And but here's the problem in that deal that I think is overlooked now. Ray LaFrenz. He had six years and $70 million left on his deal. So he was trading away like Antoine Walker, who was overpaid, but only had a couple years left for a gigantic contract for a guy in Ray LaFrance who was, to be honest, just a guy. And maybe the Celtics thought he was going to be a little bit better than that. He had one good year with the Celtics. He had one good year, but like he had never come close to what Antoine Walker was. So if you want to get... I like the rationale, but from my view, like looking at... Antoine, who was still considered close to an all-star caliber player at that point, like you really just got rid of one bad contract and took back a longer, worse contract, which will eventually lead to another deal that wasn't great that I'll get to in a bit. But I just, it from a 10,000 feet, it was just trading one bad deal for another bad deal that was longer and, and worse. And I don't think LaFrance was ever the player. Like if you give me Antoine or LaFrance, I'm taking Antoine. I yeah I don't I can't really get too deep into what his mindset was at the time meaning Danny but I do wonder what the value was of cap space um, going back then because that was a time when the Celtics were kind of known for just never signing literally anybody so I, I don't know what the what the the kind of the vibe was in the moment i can't recall but that could have been a factor maybe but i get what you're saying b rob i mean antoine walker is obviously a better player than rafel friends and and i also get what you're saying rich I, and that I took my my opinion on it is it basically like i i didn't really even see that as that terrible of a trade fundamentally he got a, f- a future first lottery protected pick for it that went to uh delante west and that draft that they had with al jefferson tony allen delante west was a decent one enough so i mean yeah, I didn't really... T- I thought it was a pretty neutral move, to be honest. But I just don't think it was necessarily just about the money. I just don't think he wanted Antoine Walker on the Celtics anymore. So it wasn't just I, a guy for a guy. I think you're trying to build a, you're trying to build a culture, right? And, that's when, and shortly after that, he, he, he hires Doc Rivers. Does Doc Rivers want to come to Boston and, and coach Antoine Walker? Maybe not, right? It's not like he was a guy that people were dying to, 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 to uh, change their lives for. Both Chicago uh, guys. What's that? Both Chicago guys, though. Sure, but <laughs> so they're the both guy from wants... the same city, so best right, friends. Yeah, sure, exactly. Um, so that's what I mean. I think it was about getting rid of Antoine. And again, oh, yeah, and Antoine's I, I've... better than than. So I, right. I would, if you're playing, if you're building a team uh, that you're trying to win for like for that year, you'd certainly want Antoine Walker. He's a better player. But I think you want to make Paul Pierce get make the Celtics Paul Pierce's team. And as long as Antoine was there, I don't think that was going to happen. And that's totally, I'm totally fine with him getting rid of Antoine. When you're getting rid of your star guy, don't take on a seven-year contract that the the Mavericks are trying to dump after one year. Like when you're trying to like, you know, make it around Paul, that's going to clog up your cap sheet for the next six years. That's all I'm saying with the deal. I have no problem with him coming in, getting rid of Antoine, who clearly was on the decline, was overpaid. But like it was, for me, it was taking one problem and just turning it into another problem whereas you you know okay they got a late first round pick out of it they he drafted wolf with delante but lafrance was a problem his contract was a problem for a while 
in the mid 2000s because it kept getting worse and no one wanted it. Um, which leads me to my next bad trade, uh, quote unquote, for Danny Ainge. Um, draft night, 2006. Uh, trading for Sebastian Telfair and Theo Ratliff and giving up uh, the number, I believe, seven overall pick in the draft, which was Randy Foy. Now, and pretty much my case here is you're giving up a seventh overall pick to dump LaFrance's contract at the time, which had a couple years left. And yeah, you pick up... uh, a prospect in Sebastian Telfer, who they liked at the time, but had lots of question marks around him in his first couple of years. And I don't like, it's just for me looking at it now, that was a very high price to pay to dump a contract. And I know, you know, it got them Theo Ratliff's expiring deal, which ended up being a big deal at the time, since that's the expiring money that was needed. Contracts. That's literally what it was named. Uh, to, since that was money needed to, to make the money match up in the Garnett deal. But, you know, LaFrance could have done that too. So I don't know, like Randy Foy didn't turn it into anything. So it's not a big deal, but uh, there were some good names in that draft. And I just look at that being like, Oh, this, that was a lot to give up um, to just essentially take a borderline good prospect and dump a bad money deal. That's fair. Any others? Yeah. Well, I'm looking, I'm looking at who was drafted. He didn't have to tra- take Foy, right? Right. The number, so Foy is at seven. So Randy, Rudy Gay went eight. Right. Celtics legend Patrick O'Brien went nine. <laughs> Mohamed Sane went ten, and then after that, you know, JJ Redick went eleven, which is which guy uh, you think Danny would, would have wanted? Uh, a pretty good player was drafted twenty first that same draft. Rajan Rondo. Mm. We might get to him um, later. He would have worked out well in Boston. We will. We will begin. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I feel you, and, and 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 I and I just think that's interesting that you know, and and in all these these deals, which. Maybe they weren't great, but you can see that the pieces that were being picked up, the Theo Ratliff, the, the, the Delante West, like he knew what he needed because the, the, the big picture goal, it wasn't maybe necessarily specifically to get Kevin Garnett, but was to get, to get the younger, smaller pieces to bring in a star to put alongside Paul Pierce. Uh, and this that brought them a little bit closer. But yeah, sure, I agree. Yeah, so that's probably the next base one. And then... Kyrie Irving deal wasn't a good deal. And we can debate that. That was my half. Yeah. Like, I... That's just not... It's not his fault. You can see why I did it. But when I go back and look at it in real time, like, I wasn't crazy about it. Um, It clearly... No one could have predicted how much it went off the rails. And that's through no fault of what the Celtics, you know, brain trust went through. They clearly did their research and convinced him or believed that he wanted to stay there but um and believed obviously he could appeal to other players to play in boston um but yeah that was that was not that was not a winning that was not a good deal for danny so what happens if they don't make that deal for the record i disagree that it's a bad deal it worked out badly but yeah i don't don't, yeah i mean that's again i don't think that's a slam dunk like the case can be made either way being like it was a deal that didn't work out well and that's different than like a bad trade because it, it but it is if, if they don't make that deal then you have the brooklyn pick 
which yep. is yeah, number yeah. eight. You have Jay Crowder still. The Isaiah situation would have gotten very awkward that next year. And, and then his body just fell apart. Right. And but and he would want the contract. He would want the contract, but you would have... I mean, they wouldn't have given him the contract. It would have been... And that's public, where it gets awkward, yeah. Right, and that's where it gets awkward, but I feel like the, the Celtics would have held strong there and been like, listen, you know, go test your market and come back to us. And he would have been hurt. And it would have been sad. It would have been a situation where it was now, and it was. It would have been even more awkward for that to happen in Boston. But you know, they would have. They would have gotten through it. Gordon probably would never have uh, got hurt. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah. I that's. I was about to bring that up. Like, I think that that injury is just a huge, huge, huge turning point in how we perceive the Kyrie Irving trade today. Like, if if Gordon, like. Honestly, if Gordon never got hurt, do you, what, what would you say the odds are that the Celtics have a second championship in our lifetime? I think Kyrie is still here, first of all. Really? Yeah. I'm not so sure, but but I believe like there's obviously a stronger case to be made for it. Well, we probably don't get the whole narrative from that season where you know the Celtics make that run without... I mean, Kyrie's knee was Kyrie's knee, right? So, so we assume, but but right. Gordon not being around either, and then Jalen and Tatum make their leap, and it, it, it it's really difficult, kind of. To, yeah, a lot to, of sliding doors there. Yeah, but like Gordon, I mean, Kyrie's not there that year, but a healthy Hayward is, and a healthy Crowder, which may have been a problem. Like you might have, they might have just dumped Crowder anyway because it's like we need Tatum to play, and we got too many guys here in the wing. Um, so how they would have how that would have played out would have been very fascinating, but they would have had Crowder as a great asset, and then you know a, a top ten pick to to shop around for who knows like uh, who would, they could have targeted with that. That's a question that but would never be answered. Also, like the whole the whole organization's goal at that point is still Anthony Davis, right? So right. Maybe yeah. they, yeah. They, does that end up going to Anthony Davis? Is that ever? He probably isn't available at all that season because the Pelicans were pretty good that year. I want to say, um, or was that the year they traded for Cousins? I forget. Um, yeah, it is. I don't know if that would have lined up. Those assets would have lined up with anything the Celtics wanted if they were going to try to make move on someone besides Anthony Davis. Hey guys, before we move on, I just want to jump in real quick and give a a little note from our our new sponsor, Awaken 180. As you know by now, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health by starting Awaken 180 Weight Loss. I've already dropped about 18 pounds, and I'm not the only one. Kendrick Perkins is down about 30 pounds. And we're just two of 11,000 who found the solution for weight loss. No gym, no medication, no tricks, or gimmicks. Awaken 180, a combination of science, nutrition, and expert one-on-one coaching. If you have weight to lose, I recommend you call Paige and her team. You'll lose weight starting the first week and each and every week until you get to your ideal weight. Awaken 180, six locations, 
but during this lockdown, they're starting client virtual, the same program from the comforts of your home. Simply log in to awaken180weightloss.com. Fill out the form online and start your weight loss transformation. Awaken 180 Weight Loss, the official weight loss program for the Boston Red Sox. All right, so we're back, guys. Uh, anything else, B-Rob? Any other, uh, what, what do we have on the on the bad Danny and So, Anything else to add? Beyond that, the only other stuff I had for honorable mention here, um, trading three second-round picks and each one more for Courtney Lee was not great. Uh, understandable at the time, but... I love that trade, but... You, yeah, it yeah. did not work out. And um, this is nitpicking... But um, trading, doing draft trades uh, for Jawan Johnson and Kelly Olynyk. When um, this is not really, this is uh, Are you cheating, stretching. But this is yeah, <laughs> doing draft trades when Giannis and Jimmy Butler are available at those spots. But that that's that's pure nitpicking. And I just want to really quickly bring up how. Trading Rondo with Dwight Powell for to the Dallas Mavericks <laughs> for Jay Crowder, Jameer Nelson, Brandon Wright, and uh, a first round pick that became uh, Gershon Yabusele. Um, total travesty. I just gotta th- throw it in there. Um, on my mom's birthday in 2014, Oof. just just devastating all the way around. It's funny that it was with the same team, but it was like the same mindset. I think that. That led to Antoine Walker being traded. It was the same thing in the Rondo trade, right? Before we can start get moving in the right direction again, we got to move on from this guy. And maybe it's not the best deal, but let's just do it and start moving. Do you guys remember that like brief window where uh, it was looking like... Remember like Kevin Love went to a Red Sox game? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> it is and he really these... bizarre to think back about what would have happened if the Celtics actually went down that path. Like, and, and the whole NBA, like, it would have been like LeBron never would have had Kevin Love as a teammate. But I highly doubt that the Rondo Love one two punch would have been enough to win a championship. <laughs> Jason Tatum would have been playing Minnesota right now. That's exactly right. Um, all right. So before we move to five best. Uh, Danny Ainge trades. How what have how have I done here? How many how many bad trades has Danny Ainge made? Rich, what's your what's your assessment now? Mm, I like I I just don't like the word bad. I'll I'll say three <laughs> and a half. Three and a half, Mike. Yeah. Um, if I'm counting the Rondo one as three, I will say four bad trades. I just I it's it's it's. it's it's like this is. I mean, this is a fun exercise. We, no, it is yeah. for sure. I uh, we're, we're having fun here. I think the Jeff Green one was really fun to talk about, and um, I'm a, I, like I'm there. Are, there are other people who would probably look at that trade and not call it bad, um, but I thought it was pretty interesting that all of us agreed that it was. Mm. Um, and people outside of the Celtics organization, <laughs> potentially. Um, and the Kyrie trade is also really polarizing, and I don't think we are far enough away from it to properly assess it. Is what I'll say about that. And like you said, far and you can't like Gordon changed everything. You know, if he's if he's healthy for that year, 
that first year with Kyrie. I mean, everything that we know about the Kyrie Irving era in Boston is different. I mean, eventually it would have flamed out. Like, I believe, I believe that. Like, it would have ended poorly. But I think there might have been some happier times in between. It is. It's and will be. Well, plenty of years to dissect it. Um, as yeah, hopefully, right. <laughs> um, oh, real, real quick, B-Rod, let me just get this in before we do the thing. Uh, with, with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you guys might think there's nothing to bet on, but you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on, uh, from their online casino to poker and blackjack. So they are bringing the bringing Vegas to you. Uh, if you're missing the NFL, no problem. Bet Online has live daily NFL Madden 20 simulations you can wager on. If you're into entertainment betting, you can still bet on Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, all open 24 hours a day and all online. Visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus with promo code CLNS50. That is CLNS50. Uh, bet online, your online wagering solution. All right, so let's uh, let's count down our best Danny Ainge trades of the last 17 years. Uh, and this was, uh, I have a ranking of five, but there are probably like two or three honorable mentions that we could talk about as well. Um, but uh, B-Rob, do you want to? Well, I wanna... want, want one of you guys give your list and then we can play off of that here. So whoever whoever has it or feels, feels better about their list. Um, well, I'll say my number away. five. Yeah. Okay. Uh, February 19th, 2015. Uh, Marcus Thornton in a first round pick for Isaiah Thomas. Yes, I that is in my. I want to say that was number four for me, and I think um, the, the 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 best part about that deal, Rich, too, is that where they got the first round. They, pick where they got the first round pick. Tell the people where they got the first round pick from. Uh, you can do it. Go ahead. Uh, they got it for. <laughs> they essentially got it for taking on for allowing LeBron James to go to Cleveland in a salary dump move um, the previous summer. They got Tyler Zeller also as a part of that trade, but for absorbing Marcus Thornton's contract with Zeller, they got a first-round pick, and so they literally got that uh, for nothing. And so, in essence, they traded um, nothing for Isaiah Thomas since those are two things that um, all they had to give up is the willingness to pay them cash. Pretty good maneuvering by Danny Ainge. Uh, uh, number did four. Make, did that Should make I your top that? five, Mike? Can I do it? Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna just stick to the script here, and I'm gonna go with I'm just gonna say the Rondo trade. But I wanna like I don't know if you got how deep you guys went to kind of get the like so straight up the the trade was on draft night 2006 um, between the Boston Celtics and the Phoenix Suns and and the Celtics. Uh, it gave up uh, a 2007 first round draft pick to get Rondo, who was the 21st pick, and they they moved Brian Grant as well. Um, but going back with the picks and just kind of the history of it, it is truly fascinating stuff. It, and it was their pick, right? Yeah. So it goes all the way back to 2004. Um, the pick is traded by the Lakers with Rick Fox, $2 million in cash, and Gary Payton to Boston for Chucky Atkins, Jermaine Jones, and Chris Mim. And then the Celtics would take that pick, the Rondo pick, and move it to the Atlanta Hawks, uh, along with uh, Tom Gugliotta, Gary Payton, and Michael Stewart for Antoine Walker. And then the Hawks 
take the pick <laughs> and move it to Phoenix with Joe Boris, Johnson deal. Yeah, with Boris Diaw and a first round pick that became Robin Lopez for Joe Johnson. Um, and then the pick was eventually materialized in, in, in 2006. Uh, so I just thought that was really fascinating that the Celtics like had the pick, moved the pick, got the pick back. Like it's, it's just, it, it, it confused me for a few minutes when I was doing this research. Yeah. It's, it's like so crazy when you go back and just see the history of these things. And like, if those minor moves never happen, Rondo never happens and, or does it ever happen? And it's just like, it's, and does the title a, ever happen? it's a butterfly effect. And it's like, it's, it's like it'll blow your brain out if you try to like think about it too hard but i did this morning <laughs> don't try this at home yeah i actually wrote an article as reach on it boston sports journal on what you just talked about today mike on just the fact that it was traded four times that pick leading to the run it's nuts it's like probably one of the most traded first round picks in nba history i imagine like i can't imagine many picks change hands four times even before draft night arrives much less gets traded for and traded by the team that eventually trades for it again um so yeah like like you said it's just a really fascinating road to how that developed and the fact that how lucky the Celtics are that Robert Sarver is a very cheap greedy owner that was like I have a title team right now and yeah forgive me give me $3 million for this first round pick and take a guy I don't want in Brian Grant um, as opposed to actually using it for trading for help now for that roster. I have another one of these that I want to bring up later, or maybe I should, I'll bring it up later, but um, okay. B Rob, I guess like, do you want to just throw out a pick now or a a trade now that you loved? Uh, Yeah. I'm going to bring this one up since it's, I think it's one that's under the radar and won't get much um, uh, fanfare, but I think it's very underrated from the standpoint that the Celtics don't may not be able to make the Kevin Garnett deal um, without it. Uh, it's from 2005, I believe, and in it, the Celtics traded away Ricky Davis, Marcus Banks, Mark Blunt, Justin Reed, uh, in exchange for Wally Zerbiak, Michael Olakandy. This is going to be it. Yeah, yeah. Michael Olakandy and Dwayne Jones. Um, this, but there was also one very important part of that deal that the Celtics also got, and that was a first round pick, a protected first round pick from the Wolves, uh, which started for 2009 had some protection on it but in essence why this is matters is because anyone who knows the Celtics the players in those deals is, is it's essentially a big bag of crap that they're trading away uh, and giving to Kevin McHale to potentially salvage uh, you know any uh, a playoff berth under Kevin Garnett and w- whatever else was left on that roster and lo and behold those guys didn't um, and the Celtics when negotiations came around in 2016 20- 2007 Mike they were able to say hey we'll give you your first round pick back in 2009 because you guys are going to suck then <laughs> and uh, obviously it wasn't as big of a piece as Alex Everson that deal Mike but I think that was a I feel like that was a probably a pretty significant piece in that deal to be able to to hang for Kevin McHill fascinating trade uh, so wait so what was the protection do you recall yeah so I want to say 
So it wasn't, I want to say it was, it started with lottery protections and then it went down and down to eventually unprotected year by year. Because I believe it by 2006 or what year did it actually? So it actually, it was 2009. It ended up being the the Johnny Flynn pick, number six overall. Yes. So if the Celtics never made that trade and they kept that pick, they would have been able to make the pick, right? Because I think it was sixth overall, right? It was, so it was protected, yeah, top, it was protected top three in 2000. So this is where it gets just really incredible, um, because Steph right. Curry was available, who went seventh overall, famously, to the Golden State Warriors. So, you're right. <laughs> obviously, you don't, um, you don't, like, redo the Garnett trade I, I would think to get <laughs> Steph Curry in that I pick but, but like that is truly fascinating and it would have been amazing if somehow they were able to do that trade and not include that pick like I wonder what the haggling was in the negotiation if like they had to get their own like pick back or if they could have somehow been like no well, well I don't know I don't know what they could have done maybe like increase the protections a little bit but not enough so that they could still get Steph like could you imagine if the Celtics still like got Steph Curry in that draft that would have been that's like a Len Bias-esque type of maneuver it's a, just it's a red back move exactly that would have been just beyond epic it's funny because the fourth number four on my list is sort of was birthed in that same trade you talk about the uh sorry I just dropped my phone you dro- you talk about the um the first round pick there right mm-hmm. but uh my number four is Wally Zerbiak, Delante West, and Jeff Green to the Sonics for Ray Allen and the rights to Glenn Davis, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the trade that makes the Celtics uh, an intriguing possibility for Kevin Garnett. If that, if that happens, that trade never happens. If the trade you mentioned with getting Wally never happens, he can never be sent to the to the Seattle Sonics. So that, for me, that that's number four on my list. That was also, that was probably, if I, I didn't like formally rank these because it was too hard, but that trade, it, it was also really difficult to, to disconnect that one from the KG trade. But um, do you guys remember what your initial reaction was when that trade happened? Because obviously we didn't know that Kevin Garnett was coming on that night. And basically it's like we – I mean that was like the whole like Greg Oden – KD and the Celtics were terrible and they tanked that whole season and they get the fifth pick and they move it to Seattle for like a 30 what I don't even know how Ray was 30 31 I think when they made that move so it was like what are we even doing like you go from oh the next 10 years are going to be glorious to oh my god they're just like they're pairing Ray like these two aging guys together like what, what was the kind of mentality for you guys when that happened remember i wrote i wrote something and the title was yay we're mediocre again <laughs> That's so, what it was right you're right because it was just such like just the whole the whole draft night was such a downer right? so you, deflating that, the whole year was it was about kd or or, or uh odin yeah or odin i mean it's funny like what you wish for right but like it was just and and, and again this is not just a single event this is after more than 20 years of of torturous basketball like the organization it was just it, it was like it was just you know 
bad luck after bad luck and it was just too much like that was that for me i was like a breaking point um and it turned around so quickly but yeah no i was just i was a defeated human being who did you who, who did you want them to take with the fifth pick do you remember ye maybe I, yeah <laughs> I, I was literally about to say the same thing I, I i was like let's just tank forever and take this dude who's like just a folding chair like let's let's get him on the team that would be just perfect he would like imagine him in boston if like i can't even man the kg trade was really important i guess is what i'm trying to say (laughs) that would have been really bad so looking at just ray allen so ray allen was 31 like you said mike at the time of this deal i was coming off a season with in seattle where they had won 30 games and there was no like they had nothing to get excited about there uh, beyond having the number two overall pick which ended up being Durant at the time but do you guys know like guess what Ray Allen averaged points per game that year 2023 in that damn uh 26.4 it was actually his career high um for a season he only played 55 games uh, I think he had like the ankle in the ankle. I don't know if he had bones spurs. He had issues with his ankles that was a potential red flag. But he was playing forty minutes a night, and so he was playing really well. And he had three more years on his deal at big money at that point. But again, for the Celtics, they gave up number five. But they and Delonte West was you know a a bright you know good young prospect as a role player, but. To think about like how good Rayon was and how he was an All Star in that year, you, the Celtics really did well not to give up a ton in that deal and have enough left over. Well, I think Presti was the GM right for Seattle, and I mean he's he, yep. he clearly wanted yep. there was motivation for him not to haggle. Yeah, oh, they wanted cost cutting. To, they wanted to dump the money. They wanted to like, start over. Around they wanted KD. to dump Allen's They deal. wanted to start for, like getting Jeff Green, who was. Um, I'm pretty sure he was was he friends with Durant before because I'm pretty sure I mean he went to Georgetown and was like yeah I think so I'm not 100% on that, but I thought that they might have had a relationship beforehand um and obviously like Presti was obsessed with culture coming from the Spurs uh really valued that and starting over fresh and all that. So I feel like he wasn't in a position or, or wasn't motivated to like haggle particularly, but like, yeah, I get what you're saying. B Rob for sure. Like I also just remember like the, the ankle thing. That's all anyone was talking about on like WEI. Like every, every two minutes you would hear yeah. someone call in and be like, why would you trade for someone whose ankles are about to fall off? And I was like, what are these people talking about? I was like, because it's like Ray Allen's career, like he was incredibly durable. Like beyond that 55 game season, you know, he had a one season with 56, but everything else was 82 in, in the 70s. And then even when he got to the Celtics, games played by season 73, 79, 80, 80, and then 42 and no in the one sacrificed season. Like um, Ray Allen. And then if you look at just the shots and the numbers, I mean, he goes from yeah. 21 per game in that 06-07 season to 13 and a half a year later, first year in Boston. It was just, you know, it just a really great, I mean, it made, again, it made complete sense. Seattle, I think, was motivated by financial reasons, and they're getting the number five overall pick, and 
a good player in Delonte West um, and Wally Zerbiak, who, I mean, how would you put Wally at that point of his career, Rich? Like he was an expiring contract, but like, you know, I think the Cavs traded for him and we're, we're starting him in that 07, 08 season, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I mean, I think at that point he was a guy that like trying to think who to compare him to right now. Who like on any team could average probably close to twenty points a game, but if well, Zerbiak is averaging twenty points a game for your team, it's not a very good team, right? You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think one really interesting point about that trade is that the Celtics resisted because I know Presti really wanted Rondo instead of Delonte West. Hmm. Um, I think that was the the initial asking ask uh, in the Ray Allen deal, and they and I mean the Celtics weren't going to do that, but. Um, but that was I've never heard that and that's I, very interesting and I actually pretty, I, I uh, did not I don't remember smart. that either <laughs> nice oh it's like a breaking news wait winning plays 14 years later <laughs> <laughs> that's where most of our scoops are from I feel like um all right so that's I think that's a universal top three for us so I guess it comes down to now how we rate the best two deals it's a great in debate. Danny Ainge's history here. It's a really good debate. I'm curious to hear where you guys stand on this. Wait, so we got two left, you're saying? I think we have two left. I mean, I'm sure you people have more left I on the list. I have a few honorable me- mentions we can so go over after, but I feel like none of them are even close to... Just because, like, the again, the Ray Allen one, I connect to one of the ones that we'll have in the top two. So I don't think anything is, is more important than that one, but yeah. So are we not counting Mark L. Fultz for Jason Taylor? Yeah, that's not what I mentioned. That doesn't make the top five. Does not make the top five. It could have, okay. but that was number three for me. But, All right, let's go. Let's go to the top two. No, but I uh, make the case though for number three. Yeah. It's we're not, we're not necessarily right. What's your, what made you put that three? I mean that Jason well, Tatum is going to be a they generational just talent. Taken him, like they could have just taken him first. Yeah, I guess the okay. I, I mean, guess that Danny lessens, the, lessens it a little bit. Need need so it's really yeah, about need Langford. Langford. Need Langford to, to come through um, here in the next couple but, years. Okay. Also, or need the Kings to not be as good, um, uh, last year or the two years ago. But it is the. I am always fascinated by the the negotiations for that deal, the, the the pick protections that the Celtics negotiated for as, you know, they got number three, obviously, and they picked up the protected Lakers pick, which they were only going to get if it landed uh, two to five in that first year after. And if not, it rolled over to the Kings pick. Um, I think the Lakers pick ended up being, I want to say nine that season. And, uh, it makes 100% sense because, you know, you want the unprotected Kings pick easily. Um, you, you you roll the dice without any day of the week. But how things could have played out differently there conceivably if they just took the pick uh, earlier. It's kind of like from the Lakers. That, but to your point, Rich, like this trade is just genius because, you know, like a lot of GMs would not make this trade. <laughs> They would just sit and they would... I mean, some GMs would have just taken faults, even if they thought Tatum was a better player. It's like straight up that. But like... Exactly. Just because that's exactly. what everyone was saying. And so, the choice, in yeah. my opinion, makes Danny one of the best, if not the best general managers in the league is 
just like being that aggressive to not only like know that you already have Tatum in the bag and you're really high on him, but you see an opportunity because you know that the Lakers are going to take Lonzo Ball and you know because of all the work you do with your intel that the Sixers are like dying to get Fultz and match him with Embiid and Simmons. And so you scoop this asset that could have been incredible and everyone thought it was going to be incredible. Um, and so that's just like why it, it is, it, it symbolizes just like why he is such a ridiculously talented and effective general manager or president of basketball ops. I have not Did heard you that hear him on the low post I was going to listen to it uh, this? on the walk I went on, the aforementioned walk, but I listened to the Charles Barkley episode instead. I'm saving it. Mm. So Danny, Danny addressed this directly. I think uh, Zach asked him straight up, like, how did you know to like go from, you know, feel confident to go from one to three there that you're starting to get Tatum? And quote, Danny says, we were very confident that the Philly was taking Markel and Lonzo was going to LA. We were confident <laughs> in that assessment. <laughs> so like just to have, again, like I said the, the confidence, the, the brain trust, if you will, to be like, okay, we know what, you know, Magic Johnson is doing here. He's probably told like half the world already. And, uh, and knowing what the fixers wanted to do and squeezing them to the maximum. So I do think it is a good case for that rich. Cause in the sense that like that could have turned out so much better for the Celtics. They just, luck did not go their way after the fact of that one in terms of what the pick became yeah but in retrospect i agree with you guys but it just was just a genius move um so top two stop two and so how we'll do we how do we even want to do this to wrap up like i mean should one of us just say what we think and then just start the debate cool <laughs> yeah Okay, well, for me, (laughs) this was, I mean, this is like really splitting hairs, I think. But at the end of the day, I have the, at two, I have the Nets trade. The Garnett, Pierce, Jason Terry, DJ White, etc. Same. Um, And they send a bunch of crap to Brooklyn. I mean, they get a bunch of crap from Brooklyn beyond or besides the... 2014 first round pick which is James Young the 2016 first round pick which is Jalen the 2017 pick swap which is what we just discussed with Fultz and Tatum and the 2018 first round pick which became Colin Sexton and was involved in the trade for Kyrie Irving Uh, so I mean that's just like an all-time haul right there that's just an absolutely legendary transaction that no one knew would be that great when it happened um and if Tatum is, you know, if he's Paul Pierce or even better or whatever, if Jalen is, you know, uh, a perennial all-star, which he it feels like he's on track to become. I mean, this is just like you set yourself up for the next however many years. And it's just it's a foundational trade. But it, to be to, to I mean, up until this point, it's really difficult to judge it in its entirety because. Uh, you know, they have not won at the highest level. Um, and real quick, like the reason why I have uh, the Garnett trade number one, and I don't think you can necessarily put the other, the, the Nets trade number one ahead of it is because first of all, like they win the title. That's first and foremost. Second of all, 
there's no Nets trade if you don't have Kevin Garnett. So, so that trade has to be before it, it has <laughs> to be logic. Logic. It does. I have a number one, too. It changed everything. You know, whether or not if it's a better trade, like in a vacuum, nothing else. We talk, we were just talking about the, the reaction to the Realen trade, right? Like where we were, the doldrums that the Celtics organization were, were living in for decades um, before the Kevin Garnett trade. And, that, and and I really think, you know, there obviously the, there there was, an, in the after Larry Bird eras of, of Celtics basketball, there are two right now. There's before Kevin Garnett and after Kevin Garnett. Um, so I think it's got to be one. Yeah, it's the only thing. It does have the potential to be knocked down for one for me, depending on you know what Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can do together, um, along with whatever. I mean, those are the two main pieces. There are other parts of that deal that the Celtics. What, what would they have um, to do, B Rob? And it's conceivable that they can, like two titles. Uh, I would say I'd say two titles. Yeah. Two titles or uh, a titles and a final, and if Tatum becomes ultimately comes a better player than you know or equal to Pierce, then yeah, I would I would put that above it if it gets that. But it has you know the titles the 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 requirement as you guys said, and you know it's it's a very long time to figure out the they have a lot of time to do that. There's a, a long runway ahead to evaluate the the floor implications of that deal, but um, it is nuts to think. You know, if if Kyrie did stay, like that deal, I mean, the the Nets pick was the best part of the deal that got Kyrie. So there could have been not j- there could have been three potential All Stars in place because of that deal, um, if uh, things worked out on that front. So, but even losing that, even losing that pick as part of the deal, it's still the return is still far and away. You know, one of the best of do we do, do history, we like I would say judge it um, at all differently because of what the Nets are right now, or does that just like not matter at all to you guys? No. <laughs> well, are the Nets in the playoffs? Do we have a playoffs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're the right. seventh seed, I believe. Oh, they were. They were the seventh seed. I think so. No, I don't think that. I don't think that has a that that's a factor for me. Because I, I still, I'm still. I mean, I know on paper the the Nets certainly look better than that than they did, but I'm not convinced of anything yet. Um, what's it is a fascinating. What is it for you guys? Do you guys have to see two titles for it, to, or is it is the situation where because KG was the original it's, part of the trade here? It's that gonna it's be never really gonna tough because of that to top it. Um, yeah, I mean. The other part is just, like, the emotional, like, the, I guess, like, when that trade happened, emotionally, you're not feeling great if you're a Celtics fan. I'm talking about the Nets trade. Like, no one, I I, I don't know about you guys, I don't really think anyone was, like, super pumped that they just traded Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, and we had to look at a future that was very uncertain, and... At the time, that Nets team was, you know, those picks were not supposed to be, like, excellent. That was not what the deal was. So, exactly. No. And Late Prokhorov was the owner, and he was talking big, and then that everything just kind of shifted unexpectedly in a way that I don't think Danny Ainge or the Celtics ownership ever could have anticipated. 
But when the Kevin Garnett trade happened to acquire him, that's like a parade. Like that like so for me it's just it's really difficult to ever put the other one i i'm like taking back what i said earlier about it splitting hairs honestly i think this is this is <laughs> slam dunk for me yeah i think that the degree of difficulty is more impressive for the nets trade because like you said with with garnett danny trade for the best case scenario he traded for the guy that was going to come in and, and and make you a contender make you a champion after one year but with that nets deal they got the picks then they had to actually go and make them and the only reason we're still having this conversation is because they turned it into Tatum and Brown, which is just insane when you think about it. But so, yeah, it was a little bit more difficult to make good on that Nets trade. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm sticking with, yeah, with what we said. Just the, imagine uh, if James Young turned into something. <laughs> still a chance. Joel Green came back. <laughs> um, all right. So let's – we'll – Go through our honorable mentions here. We'll go back and forth, Mike. If you want to, we can trade an offer. Rich, if you have any extra honorable mentions you wanted to bring up here, um, since there are still a few uh, gems in uh, Ange's uh, portfolio. Um, I had I, I put this is very early. It's so maybe one of his first deals, but uh, Troy Bell and Dante Jones mm-hmm. for for Marcus Banks and Kendrick Perkins. I mean, think about it. I think Perk was the thirty thirtieth pick, the high school, uh, out of shape. You know, and it's crazy to see Perk now. We talk about him like, you know, a, a media darling, guy who can't get enough of of cameras in the limelight. I mean, he he was, yeah, he was the kid when he, when he came here. He he and and to see, and for for Danny to acquire a guy who ultimately became the starting center on an NBA champion, that's pretty impressive. Uh, yep, that was definitely on my list. Uh, also on my list. Apologies, Mike. Uh, trading Rajon Rondo to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, just, I mean, getting Jameer Nelson obviously didn't get them anything, but uh, he was washed at that point. But Jay Crowder turning into a star role player that they signed to a fantastic deal that was the second best piece in the Irving deal. They got a first round pick from Dallas on top of that as part of that deal. And Brandon Wright, they flipped to get one, two more one second, might even say you know, that the, you know, so, the Crowder contract, that was a better asset than Jalen, one could argue. Yes, that, yeah. at the time, 100%. That was, uh, <laughs> I would, I, someone would be very foolish to say that, but you could say that at the time that that was yeah. uh, around the league viewed as a better asset. Um, and luckily, the Celtics knew when to sell really high on that asset. dumb trade. Um, um, Actually, before I get my funny, dumb one, an actual good one, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Avery Bradley and a second-round pick for Marcus Morris. Yeah, that's a sneaky good deal. Uh, I, that, um, I forgot about I mean, one. it was really weird to think about just where we were in our headspace with, like, Avery at that time and the contract that a lot of people assumed he he was like on par to get 80 to a hundred million dollars. Like, <laughs> and I mean, now he's starting yeah. for the Lakers. Um, but I think he's on a vet men contract. So might be biannual. He's a little bit more than that, but it's, it's, but it's not, that's just, yeah, uh, maybe look this up. That's a, that's a really great trade. And, and Marcus Morris had one of the, two it was one of the best contracts in the league when too. they trade for him. 
Uh, Avery is playing for 4.7 million. So it must be the mid level. Um, Um, My funny one is Glenn Davis and Von Wafer for Brandon Bass because, Mm. I don't know. Brandon Bass, he was good. I liked Brandon Bass a lot. Really solid. And um, I really respected his commitment to trying to extend his range to the three-point line. We'll just... (laughs) That's the most uh, <laughs> generous way I could put it. Uh, I love that one. Uh, Rich, do you have any other ones? I put getting a first-round pick for, for Jeff Green. I mean, a little less impressive now with the, with the Grizzlies, and we'll see what happens with that pick. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, getting a first-round pick for Jeff that's, Green. That's, yep. I, yeah. Are we, would we include? Um, 100%. Because technically it was a trade. Terry Rozier for Kemba Walker. Yeah, I skipped over that one. Yeah, I, I didn't touch that one, but yeah, that technically is a, a sign in trade, so that that does work. Um, all right, two funny—I mean, t- two obscure ones. Um, one from way back, uh, getting a first-round pick for Yuri Welch. Um, in I think 2006, it was a late first round pick, but that actually, you know, what what happened to that first round pick, Mike? With how they no. used it, uh, that was the pick they gave up for Rajon Rondo. That was a future first round pick in 2007 that they gave the Suns to get that number 21 overall. So it all comes uh, back to Yuri. Welsh. It all comes back to Yuri Welsh. And then the other uh, trade here that definitely uh, was a steal for Danny. Uh, Giving up uh, Tayshawn Prince for I was waiting uh, for that Dennis one. Drebko and uh, <laughs> Gigi to tell me, yeah. And I'm not. That's like half king, but no. Drebko was that was actually a, you know, he was a, a vital part of that team the next two years. So uh, it wasn't Luigi acquired in that and she, deal yep, as well. Yes. So uh, yes, another just ma- one of the best trade deadlines in NBA history was the uh, for Danny Ainge at the. I believe it was 2015 when they traded for Isaiah and uh, Jonas in the same afternoon. Uh, that was a good trade. You, you don't get much better than that. Good trade deadline for the Celtics. Um, all right, that, uh, unless you guys have any other you want to throw in here, um, that that will put a bow on this one. That was fun. That was fun. Danny Ainge, good trader. Danny Ainge, a lot more. So we have, what, 25 good Danny Ainge trades and... Four, maybe four bad Danny H trades. That's that's the full breakdown um, from this list. But uh, we're going to go through some more lists like these in the upcoming weeks here. If you guys have uh, stuff you want us to break down the best and the worst of for for Ainge or for the Celtics in general, uh, let us know at Winning Plays Pod on Twitter or... Um, or at Brian T. Rob, at Michael V. Pina, at Rich underscore Levine. Um, feedback always welcomed, but we'll probably go through some age draft picks, best and worst contracts, and some of the best uh, individual seasons, uh, et cetera, et cetera, as we go through here in the upcoming weeks. But uh, closing thoughts, gentlemen? Stay safe. Stay uh, safe, everybody. Seconded. I was going to say that the Rondo trade again was a travesty, but rich made it fairly serious at the end so (laughs) (laughs) it's good a little little 
Both column. Column A, column B. Good way to end it. All right. Take care, guys.